0: To Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You are joined as always by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, Zara McDonald. Hello, producer Annabelle Lee. Hello. Hello to both of you. Coming up on today's show, we finally have all the details on the now infamous Elle Ferguson and Joel Patful block walkout. Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson are officially over. Kevin ben has given a very unnecessary exclusive interview. There's been a series of mass breakups that we are professionally obligated to talk about. The $90 million Batgirl film has been canned despite being near completion. And last but not least, there's so much to talk about again (laughs) this week, inside the bizarre world of Andrew Tate,
1: one of the most Googled people in the world right now. But first, Michelle... How was your week? It was a good week, Zara McDonald. You and I both had the privilege of seeing Six the Musical on the weekend. And let me tell you, dear listeners, if you have not seen Six the Musical, you need to organise your life in the next few years to make it happen. It was so fucking good. It was amazing. We didn't even go together and we both paid for our tickets. This was just like a massive
0: coincidence that we decided to go to a musical on the same night considering neither of us have ever really been to a musical before.
1: No, and my favourite thing about it was, if you're not familiar, it is like a feminist, almost girl band retelling of King Henry VIII's Six Wives. Yeah, and it's sort of... I don't know like a pop concert yeah it's told through a pop concert oh that sounds good
0: I came to work on Monday and I was like Annabelle you would be obsessed with this she's bought her tickets within
1: minutes you guys (laughs) spoke so highly of this I was like I'm going thank you I think if you like girl bands if you like Taylor Swift if you feel like you want like a pop fiesta in front of you this is going to fill your cup up girl power vibes all the way (laughs) I think the banners out the front or like the ads out the front say girl power so good even the Spice are proud of it or something and <laughs> look that doesn't really check. make sense. It doesn't and really make sense, but it checks out. It doesn't <laughs> sexy it up either. No. <laughs> it was so good though. Like I Loved it. I thought it was amazing. I could tell you were loving it because I was looking around the theater, and look, Annabelle, to my (laughs) left, I was there with my high school girlfriends, and to our left, we saw these two kind of middle-aged women jump out of their seats and just start boogieing in the aisle. It was bizarre, wasn't it? No, (laughs) we commented on it, being like, "Oh my god, something like we're into it. They're really into it. The fact they're dancing around." I then turn around to see if anyone else in the theatre is doing the same thing. And what do I see in the back row is Zara McDonald like jumping around with a thing of red wine. <laughs> it wasn't just me. I was dancing with the gals. No, because I thought, you know, it's,
0: it's a good thing to do. It's a good way to support the, the people on stage. To be honest, it wasn't my idea to get up and dance. I just wasn't going to not do it. No, it's an amazing musical. Genuinely, I think it's only got a couple of weeks left in Melbourne, yeah, right? Yeah, like
1: a week and a half left in Melbourne, then it goes to Sydney where I know we also have a lot of shameless listeners so if you can't get to Melbourne make it to Sydney I also know that it's playing in London for our London listeners it does a bit of like a tour, all year tour it's just moving around Australian cities as well book your tickets it is my recommendation for the week I left and was full of adrenaline and just had the best time ever.
0: Well me too and the thing about it is I want to say that my attention span is not great these days and it only goes for about an hour and a half max, no intermission it's short it's sharp it's amazing i agree with you i left with adrenaline on a high and i went with a group of friends a couple of boys and we were outside the theater (laughs) and one of them goes all right where to next should we go to the elephant in the wheelbarrow where the footy's playing (laughs) just stared at him
1: like not the vibe (laughs) not the vibe what i did love though is when zara and i met up immediately after the show we do have a theory and if anyone involved in this production wants to reach out please do we have a theory that we were perhaps the best crowd they've ever had. Yes, I reckon. I reckon like the Saturday night crowd really brought their A game and I just want anyone involved in Six the Musical to validate this feeling we were spectacular as far as crowds go. I just want to give them the date to make sure they
0: can cross check with their facts. It was Saturday the sixth of August. How was the crowd out of ten? Let us know. The
1: best ever, I might say. This is like when a musician goes, "Oh Melbourne, you're the best crowd I've ever seen," and then Melbourne just <laughs> believes. Yeah, everyone's like, "Woo!" Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't care if they
0: feed me lies; I'll believe it too.
1: That's my week. That's my wreck. What about you? Well, that's
0: that was my week too. So mm. it was lovely to see you on the weekend. To, so lovely to bump into you at the theatre. Catch up. <laughs> we are properly 28 now. I have two recommendations for you very quickly. I think I might be re-recommending this because I have a hunch I might have recommended this a few years ago, but I re-listened to Ed Sheeran's episode of Desert Island Discs. If there's two things you love. It's Ed Sheeran and Desert Island Discs. I think I said to you both the other day, you know how we speak about celebrities in terms of national treasures? Mm. I think Ed Sheeran is a global treasure. I, <laughs> I fundamentally believe he he is one of the most beautiful celebrities we have
1: i mean look i don't mind i like it i don't mind him what makes him a glo? if you want to be a global treasure you're on like princess diana territory so you need to sell ed Probably. sheeran being in that remake. it's a bit unfair
0: to ed sheeran that that's the first person <laughs> you think of when you say global treasure he's just very sweet he seems completely self-aware incredibly grounded let's not forget that he married cherry the girl he went to high school with yeah he's, you're right that puts you on the global stage <laughs> of treasuredom <laughs> He still his mates with all his high school friends it was really interesting because he wanted to do this candid interview on desert island it's from 2019 by the way but still an amazing amazing listen. And he wanted to have a a candid conversation about, you know, the trappings of fame and those kinds of things. So... Kirsty Young is kind of pushing him to be like what are we talking about we're we talking about drugs we're we talking about sex what is it and then he kind of realizes that he has like a really young audience so he's like you know I don't really want to get into the details of all of those kinds of things because I have a really young audience and I don't want to glamorize it but yes I sort of fell into the trap of everything oh! so it's like this funny sort of role that he plays but I think he was about 26 27 when he did this interview and he it sounded very much like a few people in his circle had to really pull him up and be like you're trying to be this rock star pull your head in." And he was like, this is why I surround myself with people I grew up with. Not because they're yes people, but because they're no people. They will slap shit out of me.
1: I love that. Yes. And it's always a great sign when a celebrity has kept people in their lives for a very long time. I don't know if it makes you a global treasure, but it does make you a pretty decent person. If you can go from being... A regular person to being a worldwide celebrity, and you have kept your existing social connections.
0: I agree because I think it would take a lot of work to do that. So that's one recommendation. Look, I haven't. She's got another. I haven't loved Ed Sheeran's music in the last fucking five years. <laughs> but a, A-team's a bop. But but
1: A-team <laughs> is a oh, bop. Actually,
0: one more thing. Sorry, sorry. I know I'm like stretching this out, but whatever.
1: Um, we've got time. The new model of the show is we've got time. Okay, thank you. He
0: spoke a lot about writing Thinking Out Loud and what it's like to write like the most personal song you've ever written. It's like a beautiful love song. And for, to put it out into the world and suddenly that song is not yours anymore. It becomes other people's wedding songs and things like that. So I Googled, well, when did he write that song? Because it must be about his wife. Mm-hmm. And it's not. It was about his ex-girlfriend. Oh, that's awkward. And I want to know how you guys would feel (laughs) because the most immature part of me was like, if my partner was, you know, a rock icon (laughs) and wrote a really, you know, emphatic love song about the person he dated before me and it was everybody's favourite song, it would be weird. The lyrics are like
1: darling, I'll be loving you. Yeah, forever. <laughs> yeah. Okay, look, it would be weird, but I have just googled Ed Sheeran net worth, and I feel like if I cried into the $200 million <laughs> first, I would kind of self-soothe. Yeah, it is
0: an interesting predicament for these people, though. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's one recommendation. The second one, very quickly, is Lewis Hamilton is the Vanity Fair September cover star. He <laughs> did an amazing profile, Mitch, that I really want you to read today. I haven't even seen that he's the cover star. I know, it's not really anywhere. I was on Vanity Fair website because I was looking for stories for this week and I saw Mm. it and I was like oh my goodness he has these incredible quotes about that last race of the year this is one for the F1 fans the one where I definitely backed the
1: wrong horse (laughs) and have lived to regret it ever since
0: just real layman's terms last race of the year it was the grand final There was a bad rule that was implemented (laughs) at the 11th hour. Lewis Hamilton was meant to win. It's widely regarded as one of the most unfair upsets of all
1: time. People – and look, at the time I was leaning into the drama, I loved the fact that someone different won it for once. But people did lose their jobs over that decision because it was a – Definitely terrible rule.
0: So he did an interview about it and for me it's one of the first times I've seen him or heard seen him. Because <laughs> 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 I see him all the time. You and Lewis. I've heard him talk candidly about it and the way he speaks about how heartbroken he was the oh, minute f- it happened. But I remember so well as well watching him get out of the car straight away, walk straight over to his competitor, shake his hand, go straight to the media and do an interview and say congratulations to Max. Yeah, He is... A global treasure. I was going to (laughs) say, you know what?
1: I actually agree with you on Lewis Hamilton being a global treasure. He definitely deserves that gong. I cannot believe I tried to back Max Verstappen last year out of a need to be edgy. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely... Just the dissenting voice. I definitely should have backed Lewis Hamilton. And he's proven this year he's... Far better of a guy than Max Verstappen is. Yeah, and he's incredibly earnest, verging on
0: wankery territory. That's okay. We fucking love it. So if anyone's an F1 fan, or to be honest, even if you don't know much about Lewis Hamilton, he does come across as incredibly earnest. Mm. That's his whole shtick. We love it. But we love it, and it's a really incredible long profile.
1: That's my recommendation stuff. Thank you so much, Zara McDonald. Now... We have been blessed by the celebrities again. The celebrities have. have been busy and we are grateful. So let's get straight into a big quick and dirty, shall we? Let's. We're going to kick off with story one. Let's go one for one again. We've started a new tradition. Why not? Yeah, because I I don't think either of us remember who's actually (laughs) hosting it. So that's probably why. You start. All right. Thank you so much. Our first story for today. Elle Ferguson and Joel Patful leave the block amid claims it wasn't on brand. That is frimnews.com. This is the episode and the segment we have all been waiting for. Maybe a few months ago now, we started talking about this when The Block Australia was being filmed. If you're listening internationally, The Block Australia is like a big build-your-home, sell-it, pocket-the-money reality show here in Australia.
0: What a bad synopsis! Thank you well so done. much. Channel Nine might like that one. Now, really, really, really quick recap because I know we've done this a few times, but there has been heaps of conjecture about influencer l Ferguson and her former AFL playing partner Joel Patful's exit. We knew at the time from them; they said that you know Joel's mum had been in an accident and they were leaving to be with family,
1: which checked out. They left like on day two, yes. so we knew something. Probably had to have happened overnight to make them leave.
0: Yes, it just got very strange when Scott Cam was quite candid in the media about the fact that he was never told it was about an accident and he found the whole thing, and this is a quote, piss poor and (laughs) un-Australian. So it was all, like, incredibly odd. The narrative around this has been incredibly odd from the start. The first episode of the new season finally aired on Sunday night and on Monday that was the episode that Scott Cam announced their departure.
1: Yeah, and there was a bit of sass being thrown around for sure. In one voiceover, Scott Cam described Elle Ferguson as, and I quote, a self-confessed global influencer and beauty entrepreneur. Throwing in self-confessed is always interesting to me because she does have 680,000 followers yes. on Instagram. So I don't think she needs to confess that. I think we can all just witness that. She also has a tanning
0: brand stocked in Mecca. So she is a beauty entrepreneur too. Yeah. Like all of those things are facts. And I do think for me, no matter what has gone down here, there's definitely an air of sexism around how this story is being reported, mm. particularly the focus on Elle as this sort of blonde influencer. She
1: thinks she's an influencer <laughs> yeah, Not in like, her head. <laughs> she's actually
0: one of our biggest influencers. Anyway, putting that to the side, after watching the show Mish, it very much appeared that the couple were on set for about two days. They completed this 48-hour challenge where they needed to renovate a bedroom. And They received some pretty harsh
1: feedback. Yes, I did watch the show. If anyone's curious, the theme was give us country, like we want country aesthetic. They went for kind of coastal Byron chic. They went went Bondi. They went Bondi. (laughs) They, They worked with what they knew. They went with Bondi and the hosts were not
0: too pleased. Exactly. Now, after that feedback was given... It kind of seemed like that evening they got up and left. The show didn't have really any footage of them leaving though because it was like Scott Cam. What they did was they basically just filmed Scott Cam talking to the contestants, telling the contestants that two of their co-contestants had left. Now, when he was announcing this news to the others, he was basically saying that Ellen Joel left the show because it wasn't quote-unquote on brand for them and that they said that the toilet paper was too scratchy so they weren't all in here scott cam went all in
1: i think that second comment about the toilet paper was sarcasm no, <laughs> he for, said it just for being clear but it was interesting because even the producers they showed an exchange between the producers and scott cam And they made it very, very clear to the viewer that they knew about the situation with Joel Patful's mum falling. Now, they said they were aware of that the week before filming began. Joel Patful's mum had that fall. They had dealt with it behind the scenes. They had made sure that Joel and Elle were comfortable before they decided to commit to the show properly. So they were directly dispelling Joel and Elle's side of the story that his mother fell and they needed to rush to be to her side. The show was directly saying, no, that's not the case, they're twisting the story. Very uncomfortable for everyone watching at home to be like, so what is the truth? Well, it's a huge allegation, isn't it, Mm. to kind of dispel a story like that that's incredibly sensitive and personal to family. And you'd have to be confident. I mean, this is Channel 9 and The Block doing it, so they'd have to have some level of confidence to stick their neck out like that. Yeah, or they're absolutely loving the drama as well, which I have no doubt this has been great for ratings because I haven't
0: watched The Block in a long time, but... This got me in desperate to watch. What I find really interesting, but actually pretty smart, is I haven't seen Ellen Joel say a thing. Elle's been posting as normal on Instagram. And I kind of think that's a better way to go from a PR angle for her. It's like she'll just blow this up even bigger if she comments on it. The block airs so often that the storyline of the block will evolve very, very quickly
1: and everybody will forget about them. Well, that's exactly right. This was placed in the middle of an episode. By the end of the same episode, we already had their replacement duo on the show so it was kind of like people were angry about it or snarky or had something to say mid-episode by the end of the episode everyone had moved on we had our new couple we were all kind of invested in the new storyline anyway so i agree them not saying a thing means this will blow over so so quickly our
0: second story kim kardashian and pete davidson split after nine months and plenty of drama that is from the la times Got a bit of a double-decker story for you
1: because you'd be hard-pressed to miss
0: all the news coming out of the Kardashian camp this week.
1: Yeah, lots going on, particularly the headlines about Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson splitting after nine months together. Now, E! News got the jump on this story. They reported on Saturday, Australia time. Sources close to the couple exclusively tell E! News that while the pair has a lot of love and respect for each other, they found that the long-distance dynamic and their demanding schedules made it really difficult to maintain a relationship. The split occurred sometime this week. Now, we already knew that Kim and Pete were doing long distance and had been for the last couple of months. He's currently living in northern Queensland to shoot the movie Wizards while Kim is back home with her four kids in LA, co-parenting with Kanye I did find it really interesting that they split this week and the news was shared this week that's a very quick turnaround normally it's oh they they split last month or they called things off three four weeks ago not this happened within days yeah well what I think when I
0: hear that is that I think they probably had broken up far earlier she might have flown out to Australia to see how things were going left, decided, no, it's like properly not it. I don't know if I especially believe that this week thing, I think it was convenient for them given Khloe Kardashian and Tristan Thompson a welcome to baby Mm. this week. And I think for a lot of people, suddenly the cynicism about this relationship was just reinvigorated, me particularly, because I've had a long journey with these two on this show. And originally I was like huge PR stunt, then I was like gorgeous and in love. And now I'm like (laughs) Gorgeous. Maybe it was a PR
1: stunt. No, I I don't think it was a PR stunt, but... Yeah, can we untangle this together? What do we actually think this was? Because we all thought, well, I mean, if there's anyone around this table who gives the Kardashians the benefit of the doubt, it would be me. I did agree with you that it was a PR stunt in the early days. Now I have no idea. I think they genuinely fell for each other, or at least Pete fell for Kim. I mean, who's getting three tattoos about their partner, plus getting branded with their partner's name because they quote unquote, don't want it to be removed. They want something that's totally permanent for the rest of their life. If they're not at least a little bit serious about the relationship.
0: I kind of think maybe they were actually never serious. I think maybe they just had the world's best time together. I think maybe they were almost like a friends with benefits, were sleeping together, got along really well. I know in your mind, that doesn't answer the tattoo question, but I think I mentioned to you the other day, Pete Davidson is a comedian who was covered in tattoos. Mm. A tattoo on Pete Davidson means far less than a tattoo on Michelle Andrews. <laughs>
1: do you know what I mean? Like, Yes, I do know what you mean. So part of me is like, he can
0: maybe it's him having fun with his body, like wearing his jokes, wearing his personality. I would not be surprised if neither of them were that heartbroken about this. Though I agree with you, if there's one person that's going to be heartbroken, I think it's probably Pete rather than... Kim, but I think for a lot of people, that nine month timeline, which is the length of a pregnancy, you know, a surrogate's <laughs> pregnancy, is incredibly eyebrow raising.
1: Yeah, I get what you're getting at because this was kind of tracking month for month with Chloe's pregnancy, yeah. right? Like Kim and Pete got together in November last year. We know for a fact that's when Chloe Kardashian's surrogate fell pregnant with her and Tristan Thompson's baby. We also know they have now split in the same week that that baby has entered the world. And again, I need to check myself because I do tend to give them the benefit of the doubt. Isn't it a little too neat though? Like, it's very. That's the only other thing I think. It's so neat. Like, the Kardashians announced both of these stories within hours of each other. First came Kim and Pete, oh, no. hours later came Chloe's pregnancy. And also, might I add, everyone's saying, oh, well, this is to distract from Chloe's pregnancy news or Chloe's baby news. The baby arriving is not the news to be distracted from. The news to be distracted from is that Chloe's having a baby with Tristan. No, I completely disagree. Why? Okay, so (laughs) part of me, I'm in a million different minds
0: about this. This is like a whirlwind, right? We've got time. We've got time. (laughs) What I do think is, yes it's a bit too neat for chris Jenner, but then i think maybe maybe it actually makes so much sense that the family are going to the nth degree to protect chloe right now even if it means this looks so incredibly neat and even if it means that the world might speculate that it's all been planted i think the big story for the family is the baby being born because the most important person in this scenario is chloe and the baby and them having privacy fuck you're smart oh,
1: no. <laughs> i completely agree i done a 180 and i completely agree with you they're trying to protect her and the first week of motherhood yes i think she'd be incredibly stressed she's been under so much stress the last few months this is the
0: time that they don't want any focus on her and what they've done is they've decoyed with these two
1: what i will say is that i totally accept that kris jenner and the kardashian family at large use the timing of stories to kind of benefit themselves absolutely benefit their reputations benefit what they think should be prioritized and what should kind of be distracted from right Do I think they are completely manufacturing relationships for that? No. I think Kris Jenner probably has a whiteboard somewhere at – I think she works at a Kylie Jenner's HQ, right? (laughs) At a Kylie HQ, she has a whiteboard of all the family drama and goes, right, which piece are we going to announce when? Do I think they're concocting whole relationships, whole stories for the sake of distraction – no, I think it's just meticulous timing with when things are dropped in the public eye.
0: I think it's both meticulous timing and overemphasizing things that probably don't need to be overemphasized. Like Kim's Kim- Fock Buddy. Yes. <laughs> exactly like that well could have been way more private
1: we can't move on from this story without talking very quickly about kanye west he did choose to rear his head yet again when it came to pete davidson he posted on instagram a screenshot of a fake newspaper front page with a fake headline that read skeet davidson dead age 28 it was deleted of course within hours apparently upon kim's request I have one point to make about this,
0: and it was the first time I saw this, the only thing I could think is, like, who's, like, the contracted graphic designer (laughs) that that Kanye is feeding this stuff to, saying, hey, mate, or hey, doll, can you draw me this up? Hey,
1: doll. I hope he's not saying that to his contractor. Yeah, true, but, like, what a bizarre relationship that would be. He is super creative and very artsy. Maybe he's doing doing this – maybe he's jumping onto PicMonkey or Canva – and mocking this stuff up himself. It would make more sense than having to kind of... Hire someone. Like prescriptively describe <laughs> yeah. what it is you need. Imagine jumping on Slack and being like skeet, dead, <laughs> like retro
0: vibe, all black and white, big block letters. Before we also move on again, I mean, Pete's dating history is one for the absolute ages. Yes. We uh, He broke up with Larry David's daughter, Cassie David. She's a writer and actually has written some amazing stuff on their relationship. They broke up in 2018 He broke up with her as well the day before his relationship with Ariana was public.
1: Yes, that is one of my favourite juicy Pete Davidson details. She has written a lot. She's a great writer and she's written a lot about that heartbreak and that pain and being broken up by a text message.
0: And (laughs) after Ariana, we know that they were obviously engaged He was then with Kate Beckinsale,
1: Margaret Qualley, then Kaya Gerber. He loves a Nepo baby because Margaret Qualley is the daughter of Andy McDowell and Kaya Gerber is, of course, the daughter of Cindy Crawford. Loves a Nepo kid.
0: Then we had uh, Phoebe Denevor. From Bridgerton. From Bridgerton. And then we had Kim Kardashian.
1: Yes. Who is next? That's what we need to all lay our bets on, okay? Because some names have been floating around. The popular names in the media right now are Emrata, bouncing back from being cheated on. We also have Miley Cyrus, who he had a lot of chemistry with in interviews earlier this year. And then the Queen. Yes.
0: Well, (laughs) Queenie is, you know, widowed. She is Um, single. She's got, yeah. Do we have any theories? To be honest, the one I thought was like, it would be a pretty great story if it was Emrata. I would love that. I could imagine a story where they were both like, fuck it, let's get papped together once or twice and sort of lean into this. But my gut says he's probably going to date someone very low-key – no line!
1: No, 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 no. Sarah McDonald! Do you it's know right. Pete Davidson? Do you know Oracle Ness? <laughs> Who's another he'll date another Nepo baby? I uh, think he's due. It's been a little bit since he dated a Nepo baby. The only Nepo baby I can think of is Maya Hawk from Stranger Things. Oh. Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman's daughter. She's cool. She's I think she's too cool for Pete. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> do you have a name? I think Miley stands out to me. I do know she's in a relationship right now, but that hasn't stopped Pete in the past from no. It gather. hasn't, I guess, watch this space, but my. Miley- my. My guess is... A commoner, perhaps. A commoner? Oh. Annabelle Lee, you're single. <laughs> Hi, Pete. My sister would hate that. We had a combo yesterday. I was telling you guys, I was like to my sister, if I brought home Pete Davidson, what would you do? And she was like, I would kill you. <laughs> and I he said, wouldn't win over anyone. I said, yeah, she'd kill you.
0: And that's what my sister would say. And then Pete would come over for dinner, and suddenly they'd be flirting with each other at the table.
1: <laughs> anyway, we got to move on. we got to move on. Our third story. Britney Spears' ex husband, Kevin Federline, breaks his decade long silence to reveal their sons have chosen not to see her for months and find her nude selfies tough while claiming her father's 13-year-long conservatorship saved her. That is from the Daily Mail, a refresher for those who are not familiar. Kevin Federline and Britney Spears share two sons, Sean, who's 16, and Jaden, who is 15. They were together for about two years between 2004 and 2006. They got engaged within three months of dating. They were married two months after that. He famously, according to Brittany, cheated on her.
0: Yeah, now in a series of interviews, parts of which are airing on ITV this week, Kevin Federline has said that Preston and Jaden have not seen their mother in many months, even though Brittany actually recently bought like a mansion near their home. He said the boys have decided they are not seeing her right now. It's been a few months since they've seen her. They made the decision not to go to her wedding. He also said that he believes the 13-year conservatorship by Father Jamie, quote unquote, saved her and spoke about how hard this period has been on him and the family. He said, the whole thing's been hard to watch, harder to live through, harder to watch my boys go through than anything else. It has been tough. It's the most challenging thing I've ever had to do in my life.
1: Yeah. He also said that a big element of the difficulty for his sons has been watching their mother on Instagram. The quote read like this. I try to explain to them, look, maybe that's just another way she tries to express herself. But that doesn't take away from the fact of what it does to them. It's tough. I can't imagine how it feels to be a teenager having to go through high school. He also directly spoke to Brittany's nude photographs yeah. on Instagram, how sometimes she'll post topless with her hands covering her breasts or kind of artsy shots in bathtubs, things like that. Now, on this, I want to have a bit of a conversation with you guys because I accept that if you are a teenager, say I was when I was a teenager – seeing either of my parents naked on social media would not have been the most comfortable experience. It might have made me feel a range of things. And I think for a teenager, that's entirely valid. I think everyone listening can go, okay, that's totally fair enough. If it's your parent, you will feel a range of emotions about that or feelings about that. What I can't wrap my head around is even if all of that is true and all of that is valid from the boy's perspective, why does their father think it is helpful, beneficial or healthy for him to give an exclusive to the media about it? Like what is that solving from any perspective? And why does he have an opinion on it? Fuck off. Like it's your ex-wife. Why should you have any opinion on what she does on Instagram? If the boys feel that way, make it a private family matter. Why do we even have to know about this?
0: Well, what are you doing beyond drawing more attention to it and more attention to the boys at a time where I actually don't even know what these boys look like? Like they are so far off my radar and I think so far off the media's radar that people, they're not being published all the time. This is the first time I've seen their faces in years. mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's because their dad has done an interview. So I completely agree with you. Brittany was pretty hurt by this. She responded on Instagram. She said, It saddens me to hear that my ex-husband has decided to discuss the relationship between me and my children. As we all know, raising teenage boys is never easy for anyone. It concerns me, the fact that the reason is based on my Instagram. It was long before Instagram. I gave them everything. Only one word, hurtful. I'll say it. My mother told me you should give them to their dad. I am sharing this because I can have a good day. Brittany's husband, Sam Asghari, also posted on Instagram about it. He said, there is no validity to his statement regarding the kids distancing themselves and it is irresponsible to make that statement publicly. The boys are very smart and will be 18 soon to make their own decisions and may eventually realise the tough part was having a father who hasn't worked much in over 15 years as a role model.
1: Oh, I, hate all, uh, I hate all of this.
0: Cheap barbs left, right and centre. Yeah. It's a lot to take in and I think if all of these people are saying... We're trying to protect the boys. None of them are really doing a good job of it publicly. Yeah,
1: and this is the tricky thing, right? Of course, Britney has needed people to defend her and come to her and back her up for the last 13 years. Living under that conservatorship would have been horrific. But in instances like this, I just wish all the parents actually – dealt with this behind closed doors like if we're saying oh they're teenage boys they're too young they're going to be 18 so one day they'll be old enough to deal with this for themselves why are we doing any of this on social media or in the media at all like if only there was actually a mature adult in the room and unfortunately for those two boys it doesn't seem like there is
0: Our fourth story, Olivia Newton-John dies aged 73. Tributes flow after iconic Australian singer and actor passes away. That is from the Sydney Morning Herald.
1: Yeah, Australian icon Olivia Newton-John passed away aged 73, as you said, on Tuesday morning, Zara, Australia time. The news was broken to the world by her husband, John Easterling, via Olivia's official social media accounts. A statement on her channel read, Dame Olivia Newton-John passed away peacefully at her ranch in Southern California this morning, surrounded by family and friends. Olivia has been a symbol of triumphs and hope for over 30 years sharing her journey with breast cancer. Her healing inspiration and pioneering experience with plant medicine continues with the Olivia Newton-John Foundation Fund dedicated to researching plant medicine and cancer. Let's give a really brief overview of Olivia Newton-John's life. We know it was such a colourful and impactful life for so many, but maybe some of our listeners aren't across it because we didn't live through so much of it.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. I think one of the beauties of this, though, is how – I mean, I was going to say how timeless Greece is, but, I mean, Greece has been the subject of many of those conversations about (laughs) movies that haven't aged that well. But how many of us still watched Greece growing up? So we have, like, some reference point for how – incredible her career was from the start but Olivia was born in Cambridge in the UK before her family moved to Melbourne when she was just six so you know She's Aussie. We're She's Aussie. She started this short-lived girl band in high school before slowly making her way through the ranks of Australian television mish and recorded her first single in 1966 and her first album in 1971.
1: Yeah, what really surprised me when doing some research on Olivia was finding out that she actually did Grease in 1978 when she was 30. So like, yeah, her career was always strong, but to really hit her stride yeah. when she was 30 playing a high schooler took me by surprise. Grease became the biggest box office hit of 1978. It made $366 million off a meager $6 million budget. Two years after that, in 1980, Olivia starred in Xanadu. The year after that, she released her wildly successful studio album, Physical. By that stage, she would be forever an icon in so many people's eyes, both in the acting and film space and in music. She was first diagnosed with breast cancer in 1992, 30 years ago. She's been battling this for three decades on and off and she has spent so many of those years advocating for breast cancer research as well as for animal rights which she was really passionate about in 2012 she opened the olivia newton john cancer and wellness center here in melbourne
0: yeah she's had a huge impact on the breast cancer community in australia particularly i think and to say that she was beloved by the australian public would be a total understatement we had tributes Flowing from industry greats, including Viola Davis, her Grease co star, John Travolta, posted saw- one very quickly. Kylie Minogue, Q Jackman, the Vic government has also indicated a state funeral will of course be offered to her family. She is of course survived by daughter Chloe Latanzi. I have to say, I think one of the most impactful things I watched yesterday, and I wonder if you guys saw the headlines around this, was Richard Wilkins on the Today Show breaking down and Carl Stefanovic sort of, you know, rubbing his back and comforting him. And there were some beautiful comments being like, it isn't that common that you see men on mainstream television on prime time, just like letting their emotions free flow. I think it sounds very much like Richard Wilkins um, was quite close with Olivia and john So watching him, I don't know, just really mourn and grieve on TV was incredibly moving. But it sounds like there are people around the world who are feeling that right now
1: yeah absolutely what a story and also it really got me when John Travolta's statement about this or his message to Olivia finished with your Danny I just I just like it yeah so many of the messages yesterday I think were really testament to what an incredible human being she was yeah our fifth story it's a huge day for people who love reality tv stars breaking up that is from pedestrian We always need to give this disclaimer when we talk about Married at First Sight. We know so many of you love it. We did not watch it last year. No one at this table watched it. And it has semi gone over our heads at times. This headline did not go over our heads, guys, because Jackson and Olivia, the like king and queen villain of last season, have broken up after 10 months together, Zara. We
0: know enough about the show to know that they are a huge story in this franchise. I mean, everyone will remember in May this year when Jackson was photographed kissing another woman in a nightclub when the lights were on. In
1: broad daylight in what looked like a school... Hall. (laughs) A A gymnasium. So they had
0: like this whole awkward public cheating scandal. They clearly tried to work their way through it over the next few months, but posting on Instagram on Monday night, Olivia said it was over. She said, there's always been a lot of love in our relationship and there will continue to be as we transition into friendship. We have nothing but love and respect for one another and no one is to blame for the end of this relationship. Simply a case of almost perfect. I know we say this a lot and maybe we've polled this before, but I would love to poll on your say Friday tomorrow.
1: Have you transitioned? Your relationship into friendship. Good question. Has anyone at this table made it happen? Because I have not. Fuck no. (laughs) I don't think it's fair on anyone. Transitioning into a friendship seems near impossible like you almost have a better chance of surviving a plane crash yeah i would love to know like the stats of people who have done because i have like whenever
0: i think about it i have like this glaring lyric from the script in my head right (laughs) what do you mean well well, let me explain which is when a heart breaks it don't break even so which all i mean to say is when you break up someone would be happy to be friends but there is someone who's more heartbroken who it hurts more
1: that is actually a banger lyric (laughs) thank you for bringing that back into my life I, i It's
0: the songs in my head now. It is one of the more iconic songs of all time. When a heart breaks, it don't break even.
1: It truly don't. (laughs) It
0: does not. Now they weren't the only married at first sight couple to announce their split this week. The next day, Daniel and Carolina announced that they had broken up. They announced in a statement on Instagram. In fact, when I say they, it was just Daniel. Carolina didn't acknowledge it when he announced it.
1: She still had his name in her bio. So I feel like she might have been a little caught (laughs) off guard by this being public. Our sixth story, The Batgirl You'll Never See, Why Some Films Disappear Forever, that is from The Guardian. This
0: is fascinating
1: to me and to you. And Annabelle's nodding? Yes, to me as
0: well. (laughs) To to you as well. So last week it was announced that the near-complete film Batgirl, which had already racked up costs of $90 million, would not be released at all. It's not a case of this film basically being made and just not going to theatre. It's not going to streaming. It's not going anywhere. It's going in the bin. They're dropping it. They're just axing it. Yeah, so HBO Max announced this week that it wasn't just Batgirl actually. There were a couple of films that this was happening to. One was like some random scooby-doo off again yeah. <laughs> yeah i know but i had to mention it um, they all had huge budgets i think that film had spent up to like 40 million dollars and again it's like that footage is just being locked in a safe and lit on fire not literally <laughs> now i i just I, I cannot get my head around this the production was starring a latina actress by the name of leslie grace as batgirl it was greenlit in 2021 as part of like a company-wide effort at warner brothers to create feature films specific Specifically for HBO Max. So this was not that long ago. This is like a year ago that they've decided their strategy is having big blockbuster films on streaming. A year
1: later, they're like, uh, nap, let's just can heaps of them. And what gets me about this as well is the directors behind some of these films have expressed that they are shocked. The directors behind Batgirl released a statement on Instagram saying they were, and I quote, shocked and saddened, by the news so you might be wondering well what the fuck is the deal rap reported that warner brothers new management team led by a ceo called david zaslav felt the film simply didn't work i don't buy it i don't (laughs) buy it how bad truly truly how bad does a 90 million dollar film have to be where it's completely not salvageable like you can't salvage any of it to make it even a an average or mediocre or slightly below average film it's so unsalvageable you need to delete it it's bizarre to me because I, there was a really interesting piece that I read, and
0: I really wish I could remember where it was now, where someone said, like, you actually owe it to the audience for them to decide. Mm. Like, people who are really invested in mm. these universes, like, you owe it to them if this is made to let them decide. The thing is, a lot of people are saying that's actually not the reason. why it reported this. CEO David Zaslav is known as a cost cutter and as news of Batgirl's demise spread, so did word that burying the film would allow the studio to take a tax write-down to recoup some of its production costs. So did word that the company wanted to focus on theatrical releases in the future, not HBO Max exclusives. As the week wore on, eagle-eyed fans noticed that other Max originals like Moonshot and The Witches disappeared from the platform. So there's a couple of things going on here. Firstly, as we say, there's a change of strategy. Originally last year they're saying let's push things to streaming. Now they're saying, nope, let's actually not. Let's focus on theatres.
1: Adam Misery would be, like, kind of happy with this. The CEO of Instagram, happy to see someone else fail. Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: that was a bit random. <laughs> I was
1: like, Adam Misery, that name rings a bell.
0: The other thing that's happening here is you might be thinking, okay, well, surely there's a, a different way to recoup costs. And it feels very much like HBO Max are thinking, no, our way to recoup costs is to bin it and then call it a tax write-off.
1: I I mean, we need an accountant to kind of, like, tell us what the fuck's going on. But it's all just very strange. And this would be very damaging to the names associated with that film. If you yes. are publicly saying, well, it was so terrible, we simply couldn't work with it. Mm. What does that do to the careers of the directors and the actors who tried to bring that film to life, if it's actually a tax write off, that's fucking brutal it's to do that to people.
0: So rude. Our seventh and final story Serena Williams says farewell to tennis on her own terms and in her own words. That is from Vogue. Look, it's kind of a sports story, but she was on the cover of Vogue for their September issue, so it suddenly becomes a celebrity <laughs> one. Yeah.
1: So, as you said, Zara, she is on the cover of Vogue. She is the cover of their September issue, which is always a big deal. I've known that ever since I watched The Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> Serena Williams, did you ever watch
0: the Doco the September issue? No, no. that's really
1: good. but keep well, going. She squeezed an extra. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> Zara, Shit. we know and love. <laughs> now, Serena Williams has announced that she is retiring from tennis with this piece that she wrote for Vogue. She is, of course, widely regarded as one of the greatest tennis players of all time. She has won 23 Grand Slam single titles. Just a few. From the
0: sounds of things very much feels like she's retiring because she wants to expand her family. Her last tournament will be the US Open that starts at the end of this month. So it's all very soon. It's wrapping up very soon. She wrote in the piece some very moving quotes. Believe me, I never wanted to have to choose between tennis and a family. I do not think it's fair. If I were a guy, I wouldn't be writing this because I'd be out there playing and winning while my wife was doing the physical labor of expanding our family. Maybe I'd be more of a Tom Brady if I had that opportunity.
1: That reference is a little lost to me because I know Tom Brady, but I, I would always put Serena Williams above him in the hierarchy of all-time sports people, right? (laughs) uh, Yeah, 100%. Serena, you already got him covered. Yeah. (laughs) She went on, in the last year, Alexis, my husband and I, have been trying to have another child. And we recently got some information from my doctor that put my mind at ease and made me feel that whenever we're ready, we can add to our family. I definitely don't want to be pregnant again as an athlete. Of course, we know that she famously, iconically, won the Australian Open when she was about two months pregnant with Olympia.
0: Yeah, she does... Sound absolutely devastated about Mm. the whole thing. She said, there is no happiness in this topic for me. I know it's not the usual thing to say, but I feel a great deal of pain. It is the hardest thing I ever could imagine. I hate it. I hate that I have to be at this crossroads. I keep saying to myself, I wish it could be easy for me, but it's not. I am torn. I do not want it to be over, but at the same time, I am ready for what's next. I don't know how I'm going to be able to look at this magazine when it comes out, knowing that this is it, the end of a story that's started in Compton, California with a little black girl who just wanted to play tennis.
1: (sighs) All of the King Richard fans, the movie that came out at the beginning of the year will, I think, feel that particularly because they know her story now oh so well. She also wrote in this piece about how over the last few years – She's quietly been kind of plugging away at a new business called Serena Ventures, her boutique venture capitalist firm. And when I read this, I was like, wow, okay, if anyone deserves, what are we calling it, global like treasure. (laughs) (laughs) We have bestowed that crown a few times today. She needs to be it. Oh, no,
0: for sure. In fact, she might be at the top of my list of all the people we've mentioned today. I I love her so much. And it was hard to read this because it's hard to read – someone you love, be sad about the decisions that they have to make. And I think without being depressed about the whole thing, you did look at me when we were reading this at our desk saying, you know, there are sometimes things you cannot change. And that is the fact that to have a child in this case, Serena has to carry that child and she cannot keep playing and fighting and beating records if that's what she wants to do. She has to pick. And there is – a certain level of
1: depression in that but also what a wonderful career yeah well this is the thing right like I know there will be some annoying people on the internet who go well why bother complaining so much about something that is unchangeable like you're never going to change it why complain about it just let her feel her feelings that is a frustrating thing to experience as a professional athlete but for me it was like reading this piece learning about Serena Ventures made me truly think wow She is just great, like, at life. Like, how her greatness can be channeled into so many different areas is truly incredible. Like, for someone to be able to go, I'm going to be the best tennis player of all time, and now, by the way, on the side, I've actually got a boutique venture capitalist firm. I'm like, I just... I almost just want to like bow down at her feet and be like, you are remarkable. I cannot comprehend how you can just nail completely disparate areas of life.
0: She finished the piece by saying, I am terrible at goodbyes, the world's worst, but please know that I am more than grateful for you than I can ever express in words. You have carried me to so many wins and so many trophies. I'm going to miss that version of me, that girl who played tennis, and I'm going to miss you
1: oh, oh i'll miss you too the uh, emotional pisces side of me is coming out when i read that that made me very emotional i love her and i'm glad that she announced it in the way that she did thank you next bitch you've likely come across andrew tate's face or name in the last few weeks in fact according to the guardian he's one of the most googled people in the world right now also you might argue he's one of the most concerning So who is the man commanding the attention and adoration of young people across the globe and how has Andrew Tate racked up 1 billion views on TikTok this month so far without even being on the platform? Just before we jump into this segment as well guys it will discuss sexual assault and sexual violence and may be triggering for some listeners. Zara where should we begin? Well, I think for me, my
0: first encounter with Andrew Tate was you being like, Andrew Tate's everywhere. And me being (laughs) like, I've never heard of this guy.
1: Yeah, this began for me on break I was scrolling through my TikTok feed and I'm sure you guys might have had this trend come up it's like this annoying song that plays where it goes I'm not scared of lions and tigers and bears I'm scared of and then the TikTok user will like flash up something that is their greatest fear and this young woman was doing this trend and her greatest fear was the fact that her boyfriend has freshly become a follower of Andrew Tate and that was the first time I'd heard the name didn't get a photo of him or anything I was like what the fuck who's Andrew Tate Typed his name into Google, there wasn't a whole lot apart from like social media profiles and stuff. And then once I saw that one video, it was like the TikTok algorithm decided I wanted every bit of Andrew Tate content under the sun and suddenly all of these videos started coming up, not supporting Andrew Tate but kind of rallying against him and now I can't free myself from his clutches. Yeah,
0: he kind of looks like a tall lanky version of pitbull a little yes. bit he always if wears pitbull
1: was stretched that's what <laughs> yeah, <I was> <laughs>
0: yeah that's absolutely it i think a lot of listeners might have been in the same boat as i was not entirely knowing much about him but starting to hear his name a little bit and because we're not in his you know demo yet might not have been served these videos yet mm-hmm. unfortunately my whole feed now is Andrew Tate because we're researching this <laughs>
1: segment. the ultimate sacrifice for the show so
0: who actually is he he's a former kickboxer who he actually appeared on Big Brother in the UK in 2016 yeah. he lasted a week on that show before being kicked off after a video surfaced online appearing to show him beat a woman with a belt so I think that gives you a small insight into what this guy is known for
1: yeah and everyone's talking about him because because on top of that video, there are heaps of other videos of Andrew Tate now circulating the internet that show him generally being a pretty gross guy. And while the mainstream media ignored it, I would have said this exploded predominantly in June and July, the mainstream media has now conned on in August. The Guardian published a piece this week titled, inside the violent, misogynistic world of TikTok's new star, Andrew Tate. It feels very much like just in the last few months,
0: he's gone from complete obscurity to one of the most talked about people in the world. I mean, in July, there were more Google searches for Andrew Tate than there were for Donald Trump or Kim Kardashian. So this is a guy that we're not just saying is big. Like the stats and the facts and the Google searches are saying everybody wants to know
1: who he is. Oh, I'd love to ignore this guy. I would love to never say his name, never do a segment about it. But it's gotten to the point now where this is so huge and he is so well known. I mean, being Googled more than Donald Trump and Kim Kardashian in the month of July, we can't ignore him. He's one of the biggest people in pop culture right now. Yeah,
0: exactly. In that Guardian piece you referenced before, which is a really good We'll put it in our show notes. The writer Shanti Das wrote, many Tate videos appear at first glance to be harmless, even funny. In his trademark straight talking style, he derides men who drink tap water instead of sparkling water (laughs) and people who own cats. Real men have dogs, he says. Other material is presented under a banner of male self-improvement.
1: Yeah, in fact, if you go onto his Instagram, one of the first videos right now is like how he starts the day with a positive mindset. So you have that stuff alongside downright bizarre stuff alongside downright harmful stuff let's focus on the downright bizarre for a little longer please here is a video that was posted by an Andrew Tate supporter recently that at the time of recording has 8.3 million views man can only cheat if he loves someone else if I have a woman who I truly love and I go out and fuck and I come back to her and I don't care about her and I only love my girl that's not cheating that's exercise (laughs) if she even talks to a dude it's So, he's saying that if he goes and fucks another girl despite loving his partner at home, that's exercise. But if a woman talks to another man while in love with him, that is automatically cheating. Now, I don't think it's outlandish to say he's saying shit that is so stupid and bizarre that he knows it's going to get clicks and eyeballs right like he's trolling in that instance to purely get attention there's no doubt
0: about it because there's another interview that i watched on tiktok where he has claimed to quite recently have become a trillionaire and there's there's no trillionaire in the world like there's no one is a trillionaire not bezos not what's his face (laughs) musky boy i think he calls musk a brokey (laughs) yes And it's like, it's like, it's so ridiculous that it is funny. Like some of this stuff, I'm like, that's very funny because I refuse to give you my outrage for that stuff. (laughs) I flatly refuse to give you my energy and my outrage for stuff that I know you're deliberately saying to drum up outrage.
1: Well, I love that the interviewer, I've seen that clip as well. The interviewer literally deadpans and goes, wait, so you have a thousand billion dollars, and Andrew Tate goes, "Yes, the world's first trillionaire." Like, <laughs> what? And at most estimates,
0: apparently he's he's reported to have about between thirty to fifty million dollars, which is like not a small amount of cash at all, but it's certainly not a trillion.
1: No, he's also made some far more concerning claims as well, like saying that I quote, 40 percent of the reason that he moved from the USA to Romania was to avoid sexual assault allegations that women should, and I quote, stay in the house. You don't." go nowhere, no restaurants, no clubs, nothing without your male partner. There's a video where he says that he always makes it clear to any guest in his house that there is, and I quote, between one and three machetes in every room. He claims in one interview that men have the highest IQs in the world, which is disproven to him live on air, that actually the highest IQ on record belongs to a woman he also once tweeted if you put yourself in a position to be raped you must bear some responsibility he doubled down on that in a resurfaced video where he said i'm not a rapist but i like the idea of being able to do what i want I like being free.
0: He also recently wrote in an Instagram caption, the Tate brothers will restore purity to the females of the earth. That's in reference to his brother, Tristan Tate, who was like Andrew's little sidekick.
1: I don't think there's ever been a good Tristan in the world. I've never met or come across a Tristan who is a good
0: person. Yeah, he's also called an ex-girlfriend who accused him of hitting her, which is an allegation he denies a dumb Ho,
1: this is the thing,
0: right? Like you can kind of categorise his content into two different areas. We can talk about the bizarre sort of stuff that I spoke about before that I actually think is better served with like laughing at him. Then you've got this really, really serious, really dangerous stuff that you – I mean, it goes without saying, you cannot laugh. Like, it's it's deeply awful. The Guardian wrote in that piece, The 35-year-old, though, is not a fringe personality lurking in an obscure corner of the dark web. Instead, he is one of the most famous figures on TikTok, where videos of him have been watched 11.6 billion times. Again, like you, I would love to ignore this guy and I would love to put it down to a dark, random corner of the internet that I don't frequent, but it's not the reality of where he is. Not at
1: all. And if you look at the videos posted in support of Tate, there are a lot of videos posted deriding Tate. Some are posted in support of him, of course. They're generally from accounts like at Tate Teacher and at Tate Brothers. They all have a pinned comment up the top of the comment section that reads something like this join hustlers university while you can link in bio you might be wondering what is hustlers university well that is andrew tate's quote-unquote private university where he spreads his guide to life for 36 pounds you can join his university which is broken down into the key pillars of get connected get money and get fit He's kind of tapping into a really interesting space for young men online right now. I would say there are kind of, if we're looking at like a Venn diagram, there would be three circles. There's the circle of young men online who are disenfranchised and want to belong to a club mm-hmm. or a team or feel involved. That's the get connected group. Then there's the group of men who are obsessed with cryptocurrency and get rich quick. We know they're such a kind of potent group of people to tap into right now. That's the second circle. The third circle that Andrew Tate has kind of cleverly – I don't want to give him too much credit, but he has succeeded in reaching these people. The third circle is those kind of CrossFit gym junkie, get bigger, get fitter, get musclier at all costs group of men on the internet. He's combined all of those different groups to create like a super group – which I fucking hate with a passion but that is really, really following him as if they're his disciples.
0: Yeah, and it feels very much like there's been a concerted effort in the last couple of months for those people who are part of Hustlers University to suddenly flood TikTok with videos of him, right? And the reason that so many of these have gone off on TikTok, despite him actually not even having a profile on the app, we should say that, he does not have a profile on TikTok. And we think that's
1: because TikTok kicked him off, by the way. He's already been kicked off Twitter and stuff.
0: Yeah, exactly, is that members of his university are finally financially incentivized to make Andrew Tate go viral. They've been instructed to post as much content about Andrew Tate as they can because every view is an opportunity for them to make money. As you said, Mish, if someone sees one of those pinned comments that says join Hustlers University while you can, then clicks on an affiliate link in that user's bio, the user earns 48% commission on every member they bring across. Feels a little like a pyramid scheme, kind of.
1: Yeah, well, be careful there. It feels a little like a pyramid it's, scheme. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't call it one. Yeah, you're right. So there's a financial reason for people to spread this far and wide. And The Guardian even got quotes from Andrew Tate's like, internal messaging to his members that they want controversy. They want to reach haters because for every hater you reach, you might be able to reach a young guy who actually wants to get involved. And I feel... I feel so many things about this. One thing is that I spoke to a teacher last night who works at an all-boys school and the teacher told me that Andrew Tate is probably the number one topic of conversation amongst the boys in that school right yeah. now. The teacher also told me they have had conversations with students where they have kind of parroted what Andrew Tate is telling them. So we can't act like this is all silly and it doesn't matter because even in Australia, it is getting to young men and kind of infiltrating the way they think, particularly when it comes to women, but also matters like homophobia. It's deeply homophobic. Like, of course, this is a mixture of a bizarre message with a dangerous message. Andrew Tate has said he wouldn't give CPR to a man who was struggling to breathe because that would be gay. Like the level of just ridiculousness with what he spreads is insanity. On top of all of this, there's serious money being made here. Like people are lining this guy's pockets and he's not going to become a trillionaire anytime soon. But he is only becoming more powerful with every passing day. And his profile is rising meteorically where we can't even keep up. The Guardian did a test where they started a TikTok account as if they were pretending to be a 14-year-old boy, and after watching one Andrew Tate video, half of the videos served to that 14-year-old boy's feed were Andrew Tate Videos,
0: Yeah, so there have been massive calls to TikTok in the last few weeks to be like, what are you doing about this algorithm? And what are you doing about the stuff that's sitting on people's feeds? Because it would be easy to feel very hopeless about something like this, but algorithms matter. And the power of these massive social media companies matters in relation to to what young people are being fed. And if there are some parameters around that, that is one good thing to look at and say, maybe small things can change here.
1: Mm, It's an interesting one because a lot of the people who have been interviewing Andrew Tate have started coming out staunchly against him the same people who do reach that kind of 14 year old boy demo so that's good to see like I'm happy a lot of the top videos when you search for Andrew Tate's name on TikTok are the ones kind of going back to him and criticizing him and debunking the many flaws with his arguments, that's good. But why are 14-year-old boys continually being fed this stuff? Something has to be done about it, surely.
0: Yeah, for sure, guys. That is all we've got time for today. A big bumper episode for you again, because as you said, Michelle, the celebrities were certainly busy if you want to support the show <laughs> click follow on spotify and follow on apple that helps other
1: people see us and find us and listen to our show another big episode you're so welcome guys annabelle lee anything to add no love you all love, love you, you all, all. And guys we'll be back in your ears
0: on monday for another episode of scandal bye